Welcome to the Fastest 5 Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts, Peter Ayer and David Robbins, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. So we turn first to EEO-1 and the continuing evolution and saga that is EEO-1. So on May 1st, 2019, in response to a ruling of U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, the EEOC announced that employers with 100 or more employees and federal contractors with 50 or more employees must file so-called Component 2 data, that's W-2 wage information and hours worked information, for all employees broken out by race and gender within each EEO-1 category and 12 government-defined wage bans for calendar years 2017 and 2018. And that must be filed by September 30th of this year, 2019. EEOC stated that it believes its portal will be open to receive such filings by mid-July. On May 3rd, DOJ announced its notice of appeal of that DDC ruling. However, the appeal does not stay that September 30th EEO-1 deadline. So stay tuned on this. There's been a lot of activity as it relates to EEO-1s, and this is just the latest. David, over to you. Thank you, Peter. We'll move over to sort of small business news. And on the 13th of May, Small Business Administration issued a proposed rule amending its regulations to implement Section 825 of the NDAA for fiscal 2015. And we're a few years out from that now, but that revised the Small Business Act to require business concerns to be certified as women-owned small business concerns or economically disadvantaged women-owned small business concerns prior to participating in the women-owned small business contract program. No more self-certification is what it means. We've had a long lead, a lot of warning that that's coming, and we're here in terms of proposed rulemaking. So we'll be watching it and seeing how it proceeds through the final rulemaking process. Peter, back to you. Another proposed rule, this one relating to commercial items. On May 10th, the FAR Council issued a proposed rule amending the commercial item definition at FAR 2101 to conform to the statutory change made in Section 847 of the NDAA for FY 2018. So effectively, if enacted, this change would revise the definition of commercial item so that non-developmental items developed exclusively at private expense and sold in substantial quantities to multiple foreign governments can be treated as commercial items. I expect there to be a lot of commentary from industry, both pro, con, tweaking, etc. So if this is an area of interest for you, certainly stay tuned. Moving on to DOJ, two very significant guidance documents were recently issued. The focus is to assist prosecutors in evaluating compliance programs and how to think about cooperation credit in the FCA context. There is very helpful guidance, especially as it relates to compliance programs, a lot of really interesting take-homes. There is a lot of commentary to be considered as companies think through what DOJ expects for compliance programs, really important. And then also the second document relates to how cooperation is going to be taken into account in connection with FCA cases. So two really meaty documents for those that are interested in this. Absolutely. And something that uh, we're writing on here as a firm, we've got the documents handy if anyone needs to see it. Obviously, there's way too much there to cover in the course of a five-minute podcast that sometimes goes to six or seven minutes, but we've got it for you if you need any further guidance on that. 
And in a much more narrow, but still, I guess, related arena, the Supreme Court weighed in on the False Claims Act yet again. This seems to be happening with more frequency. This time, it's Cochise Consultancy, Inc. versus U.S. X-Rail Hunt, and decided on the 13th of May. The Supreme Court ruled unanimously that Quitam relators can invoke the three-year tolling provision found in the False Claims Act in cases where the government declines to intervene. The Supreme Court, in affirming the 11th Circuit's decision, resolved a split among the circuits about the proper interpretation of what is False Claims Act Section 3731B, pursuant to which an FCA suit may only be brought within six years of the date of the violation, or within three years of the date when facts material to the right of action are known by the official of the United States charged with responsibility to act whichever occurs last. And for these purposes, the relator is not the official of the United States charged with responsibility to act. So we'll see how that continues to develop in False Claims Act cases and proceedings that are in process now and to be filed in the future. Peter, anything else from you or shall we close out? No, let's close out. Okay. Lots of news going on. Absolutely. So much to cover. A very busy two weeks. Well, that's it for us this time. We'll see you again in two weeks for probably another active edition of the fastest five minutes. If you need anything, Peter's at 202-624-2807, and I'm at 202-624-2627. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on iTunes, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.